Hello and welcome to Farmland. I'll be speaking to independent TD for Roscommon Galway, Michael Fitzmaurice, about the current economic squeeze faced by rural communities. Let's talk first of all, Michael, about the energy crisis. It's the most um, pertinent thing that's really happening to everyone across the country at the moment. We're heading into winter now where people are going to find it very difficult to pay bills and to pay for fuel, I suppose, and have to start thinking about that now. What can be done at this stage on a practical level to try and help people out with those kinds of costs this winter? Well, first of all, um, I think the first thing that needs to be done is that the government needs to take very fast decisions um, on certain infrastructure we have in this country because um, whatever about the price of electricity, the danger is about the lights going out. And we know that we are, you know, short electricity, to put it simple, to have a cushion for this winter. Um, there's, and I've done a, 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 I done a video myself on it, Derry Bryan in County Galway, and look at, you know, I'm not going to go saying, standing in front of you here and saying that everything was done right. No, it wasn't. But at the given time when it was done, all the planning permissions were gone through that was there at the moment. And because the Irish state hadn't brought in an EIA directive, um, the planning permission was basically quashed. So it's like telling someone that got planning permission for their house, 15 or 17 years later, bye-bye, you haven't planning permission now. Like, that doesn't operate in any country. The state is paying something like 15,000 a day. And not me, but I see the legal brains, the likes of Michael McDowell, who is a former Attorney General, has come out very clearly this week, um, after we have done after we had done this video. And indeed, a lot of other, Pat McDonough, I believe, is out as well. And indeed, a lot of people right around the country. Um, we have enough of wind power there, when the wind blows, it doesn't always blow and wind power is down, um, that would basically power the whole of County Galway. Um, and that would be a help. Second of all, we have two power stations. And I know that Bournemouth, I'm a realist, Bournemouth have taken up railway tracks. The peat they haven't, basically they are now. Um, the reserves they have is for Pete Briquettes in 25. But um, there's an opportunity, and I've talked to people in the SB about this, there's an opportunity that the likes of Shannon Bridge and the likes of Lanesborough uh, could be open for biomass. From my understanding, um, about six to seven weeks in talking to people that know everything that's in there in those uh, power stations, and those decisions can be made rapid to, first of all, give us the comfort that at least we'll know the lights will stay on. That's the first part of this. There is no silver bullet in the line of um, the power, say, in the line of oil coming in. It's out of our hands, to be frank about it, and about gas as well. But in the line of gas, I think we have to um, do a total you know, rethink of where we're going as a country. Um, the doll decided when everything was hunky-dory and when there was plenty of gas and no pressure uh, years ago, that we weren't going to give any more licenses for ex exploration. Um, I think we have to revisit that. I think we also have to revisit um, or make sure that the government changes, and they seem to be changing now, um, this idea of the LNG um, terminals, because um, we, are, we are in a crisis state, and Ireland has left itself probably through EU law and... and um, EU decisions, I would blame, that we are left ourselves like the birds in the nest. Um, we're waiting for the worm to be dropped into our mouth. We're not in control of our own 
fuel security. And when you're not in control of your own fuel security, you run a huge risk. The biggest danger on top of that is the cost. Um, you will, I think there's an opportunity and I think it's going to come in the next week or two. Um, I believe that Europe is looking at basically capping the cost um, that's on electricity because electricity is, is the big one at the moment. Um, that needs to be done rapidly, but also we need to make sure that for our vulnerable, for our elderly, and indeed for businesses, um, one proposal I had with businesses that in the budget they need to put 500 million out of the 1.5 billion that we get um, in rates one side and if a company, which a lot of them will be, showing that they're struggling, if you can put in accounts to show that, that you get a rates waiver, be it 50%, 75% or 100% because there's a huge danger that people start letting people go and places will close. I have a fear and I hope I'm proved wrong that um, a lot of businesses are going to limp until Christmas and uh, try to stay in business, hoping that they'll get a bit of a pickup at Christmas. But if they don't, um, I would fear for next year in the line of recession. I mean, that word recession is being bandied about a little bit now at this stage. I think it's coming quite close to the door. In fact, even in recent weeks, I think technically America went, according to their point system, went into recession. In terms of... I suppose the government, as you said, can only do so much in, with to do with the cost and that may come from Europe and there, there may be uh, a, some sort of cap that can be put there. But there is a real fear out there and particularly I've come across it myself in rural Ireland, you know, people who, who, who buy, you know, oil every winter, who, you know, have, have a turf, turf or a fire or a stove going to heat their water every winter. And people are now wondering how they're going to get that money because everything else has gone up. It's not just fuel that has gone up. We are in a cost of living crisis at the moment. And, you know, when, when people come along then and say, you mentioned yourself there's proposals coming from the government that they could possibly ban the installation of boilers um, in new bills and in, in sort of retrofits as well over the next few years. There's a lot of fear out there of people not knowing where they're going to turn, what they're going to do. Obviously, we all want to help the environment. We want to um, improve the climate and make sure that we meet targets. But at the same time, what that's expensive. That comes at a cost. What are people going to do? Well... The first thing is language is very important at the moment and Minister Ryan seems to be um, on his own merry-go-round in relation to some of the statements that he has uh, come out with. Um, it's not helpful at a time of war, at a time that people are at their wits end uh, making statements about be it oil boilers as you have pointed out um, where they, you know, he's talking about from 2025 on, houses built after zero zero wouldn't would have to put in air to water to put it simple that you wouldn't be putting in gas or oil. Um, that's not realistic. First of all, second of all, it's not something you talk about um, when uh, people are basically wondering will the lights stay on. Um, and I think that the Irish people are sick and tired of some of the statements that's coming out from politicians uh, at the moment in relation to this, like, we have to put things into perspective. Um, our first priority as politicians should be basically the fundamental things that people need is heat, food and light. And we will have failed as a country if we cannot keep people 
um, okay in that situation. And whatever about the climate, and you know, there is new technologies, there is new things going to come down the line, and we'll have offshore electricity, probably our offshore wind, and probably, in my opinion, 2032 to 2035, they will say that someone will be here before that. But you have to be realistic. There will be objections. There will be problems. Um, and people always vote with their feet. And if I give someone an alternative, and if you listen to the Greens, I don't believe what they say. They say, wind is free. Well, funnily enough, water comes from the sky, but the infrastructure you need and uh, to treat it and all that isn't free. But it's the same with wind. You have to put up the infrastructure to harness it. You have to spend seven or 800 million in the SB for Rockoff. And what we need to do is leave people alone for the, for until we have basically the light bulb that will go on from a different source and that is secure. And on top of that, there is quick wins if Eamon, if Eamon Ryan was bothered about resolving issues. He'd give an incentive for anaerobic digestion, by your guess. Um, he would also give a quick incentive for solar panels. How many farms around the country have we that would be able to, if they got an incentive to, I looked at the building I came in here to today, I looked right around Dublin. How many buildings is there right around Ireland if an incentive was given for the likes of solar power? But unfortunately, look at it, it's all lip service that's going on. And some of the stuff that's going on is infuriating people. At the moment, in my opinion, we need to park this whole climate crack of what we're doing. The basics we need this winter for the next six to eight months until next March or April is heat, light and food. And unfortunately, in a lot of them, we are falling short. And we need to put our resources into, the, into that. And we must remember, China has 1,150 coal mines. Well, we're like... The, we're, we're, we're like the mouse within beside the elephant in all of this. Um, you look at Germany, open peat-fired, um, it's not, well, lignite, we'll call it, um, and cold. We look at the likes of Poland. We have looked that this whole green agenda that a lot of people talked about, and while no one has a problem at doing things better, um, at the moment, at what it costs, and on top of that, you know, if we listened to all these experts down through the years and if we said we're going to rely on wind, we see the EPA report um, that wind in 21 was down something like 9 or 10% on the year before that. So obviously you need something else. You need gas. Um, you also need the infrastructure to use the gas. Um, and thankfully for people in rural Ireland, and as you're well aware, there was a battle fought this year where the same minister was trying to curtail. He was on about towns of 300 and 500 in the line of turf. Thankfully, the people um, have their turf banks. It's like having your own aisle well in your back garden. Those people are secure for heat this winter, where a lot of people, unfortunately, living in cities that are relying on gas or relying on electricity won't be as secure. It's going to be a difficult winter, no matter what, apart from the, the, the energy um, situation. Everyone is experiencing rising costs this year. The cost of fuel has gone up, so has the cost of food. 
However, a lot of farm sectors are saying in particular that while the cost of food has gone up with inflation, and we're looking at over 9% inflation rates in Ireland at the moment, back at Farmgate, they're not getting those prices back. Yet all of their costs have gone up. Input costs have gone up. Um, contracting costs have gone up. Agri-diesels, more than has ever been now, the cost of it. And I mean, what can be done for them? The budget is coming up in, in a couple of weeks' time. But the minister, the the Taoiseach and the Thánaiste have both said there's only so much we can do. They don't want to increase inflation either. And by taking some actions, that might be a result. But how does that help, you know, the farmer down the road who has seen his diesel bill go up by thousands alone this summer? Well, first of all, um, to address inflation. Um, inflation compared with 2008 or nine, we had a building bubble in 2008 or nine. When you rise interest rates or whatever, you cool that down. Inflation at the moment is out of our hands because it's gas, it's oil. Those are the two big drivers that's doing it. We've absolutely no control at the moment on that. So whatever measures that you're afraid to take in case to rise it more, it has nothing got to do with it because it's external. It's coming. It's another country that we're relying on for those. So I don't buy into the argument that by helping people we could raise inflation more. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing, fortunately milk at the moment, I think it's something around 60 cent, which is pretty good. Um, and the cattle trade, unfortunately, has slipped. Um, like you look at two to three months ago and look at today, what we're being quoted in beef prices, you're looking at cattle were making 530, right? Um, I believe uh, 485 and looking maybe like 475, some of them, are trying to pull them. So that's fifty cent in a in a in a of a cut per kilo. On an average based or an average animal, it's between a hundred and seventy euro and two hundred euro. That's at a time when the I do contracting for my sins and we had to put up the price of bailing. You know, simple as that because the diesel has gone higher. The farmer, especially on the beef side, is taking a fair hit. If you look at the fertilizer inputs, but the only thing, um, the fertiliser, a lot of farmers just walked away from it because they couldn't afford it, to be quite frank about it. Um, now, one thing there appears to be, I know in our, in my area, uh, but our land where we'd be from, be more marginal, and crops would have come on fairly well, whereas some areas would be, you know, burdened to be, to be the, the, with the weather they got, would be probably lower. But there seems to be a fair amount of fodder in the country. Uh, at the moment. But in the line of um, addressing the situation, first of all, it's not alone to address it for farmers, but to address it for all citizens. We have to put in a cushion. There is six and a half billion that's there, extra, extra taxes that's just being got in. That's a lot of money. We have to be able to protect people um, from higher uh, electricity rates, but also we have to be able to uh, help them in their extra costs when they're not getting in anymore. Um, and the problem that I see, and I'll, I'll just touch on a few things, there's new schemes coming out at the moment. Um, there's a new acre scheme. And by God, it's true. It's acres you need to try and get the money in it. Because when I look at the aims of an environmental scheme, it's to help smaller farmers and help the environment. But what they have actually done in this scheme, if you look at it, Compared with even glass, and glass, in my opinion, was a straight jacket you were in. Um, 
they have left it in a way that farmers will probably end up, in my opinion, about 1,800 less on average for the smaller farmer up to 50 acres. And the reason I say that is that if you look at um, a farmer on 40 or 50 acres, if you look at most of them are going for the low-input permanent pasture. Mm -hmm. Well, the low-input permanent pasture has to have extra flowers now to get the high one. A lot of farmers won't have that. So you're looking at two grand for the 10 hectares. That's 25 acres of your small farm gone. On top of that, you got paid under glass for fencing off water courses. That's included in that. Where they were getting 3150 or 3140 for the 10 hectares, they will now be only getting 2,000 euro. So straight away, that's 1,150 of a drop. On top of that, if you're a small farm, 25, 30, 40 acres, um, you cannot do your planting of your low, around your low input, of trees around your low input permanent pasture. So the idea of a scheme should be to encourage people. I've spoke to planners around the country. I spoke to one planner yesterday. They had 40 farmers in, right? And it's not a good scheme for the planners either because they have to spend hours looking through the different, say, parcels of land. And um, they had 40 farmers four out of the 40 that would, would be able to go into it that to be anyways worthwhile to go into. And then look at the other side, and I see down my own way, um, where we'd have marginal land, um, and a lot of people went into the, the, the wild bird cover. The wild bird cover now, they have, they're taking the dates back to the 15th of May to make sure that the, the ground is wet. That's the first thing. Like, does a bird know whether it was sown on the 1st of May or the 15th of May or the end of May or the first week of June, you should sow something when the ground conditions are right. And on top of that, they are making, they are they have added um, basically more different varieties to, to the wild bird cover and have made it very clear that if there isn't X amount of cover on it, um, then you'll lose your grant. We are now saying to farmers that are on, baggy-ish type ground or marginal type ground. Hey guys, where you put in that before, don't be looking at it again because if there's a failure or if you haven't it in time, which if you look at the years, I could turf and hire. We spent two weeks of May standing this year. Last year, if you go back in it again, there was a week or two lost in May and generally you get good weather before it and after it. But if the ground conditions aren't right, we are forcing people to do something actually um, do harm because if you're within a soil that it didn't fit you're pulling it apart and this is all in the name of so-called environmental scheme and I've looked at the environmental schemes that, that's there at the moment in acres and to even get any midland type payment you'd want 100 acres to be quite frank about it it's no good to planners it's no good to the farmers and this is at a time when farmers are actually struggling to get money in I looked at the uh, organic scheme, in fairness, um, for a lot of farmers, like I would always class lamb from any of the mountains. I would say, look, they come down the lowland towards the end of the year. But for God's sake, they're as good as organic any day of the week. I think there'll be a big uptake in that, um, in my own opinion, where farmers will be looking to cut costs. Um, but we need to incentivize as well. Like, there's a big push... Um, in the line of the suckler cow to everyone, we see numbers drop. 
We need to stabilise the suckler cow because if we don't, Ireland has a, a has a history of and a good name in other countries, in the likes of Italy and different countries, for producing good quality weanlands. You talk to the people, the agents at the moment that are looking for good quality cattle, they're getting scarcer and scarcer. And if you don't produce good stuff, you won't be getting a good price. So we should be incentivizing things like that to make sure that the farmers, and indeed in the sheep side of it, um, like the word at the moment is a lot of hoggets going for killing. Well, that'll reduce numbers. And what we need to do is, is incentivize especially younger farmers to try and get them into those systems because um, there's a lot of elderly farmers and in fairness to them, they've, done, they've worked hard and done their day, but we need to make sure we incentivize, like getting 10 or 12 euro for a yo, it's nearly an insult at this stage, like how many years is that going on? We should be able to rise that up to help them offset meal costs because in the sheep sector, um, you will have meal costs at a certain time of year. We need to do them things to be able to try and cushion the blow for the farmers. Deputy Michael Fitzmaurice, thank you very much for joining us on Farmland today. No problem. That's all from Farmland for this episode. You can also listen to the Farmland podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Be sure to click into agriland.ie or the Agriland app for all the latest agri news and follow us on social media 